Hello again and welcome to On The Mic. I'm your host, Danny Osman, and today my guest is veteran journalist and former newspaper editor, Bertha Henson. You've probably come across her commentaries over social media or through her blog, Bertha Harian. She's also an assistant professor with the Communications and New Media Department at NUS. On this episode, we spoke about her new book, GE 2020, Fair or Foul, which takes a deep dive into how Singapore's general elections are conducted. We also discuss her teaching career and how the media scene has changed over the years. It's an entertaining and insightful conversation, one that I hope you enjoy. So here we go. Hi Bertha, how are you today? Hey, hi Danny. I'm fine. You know, I just finished class this morning. Yeah, I do want to talk about your teaching later, but um, just to get things started, your new book, Fair or Foul, could you tell us what it's about and what drew you to write it? Oh, um, well, it's about the processes and conduct of Singapore's general elections. I'm trying to see if the rules can be made fairer, mm-hmm. not just for all political parties, but also to fit in you know, with the aspirations of citizens for more political participation. Um, I don't think I've come across a book which looks at all aspects of the process, mm-hmm. from drawing of boundaries to grassroots works. In fact, I think most of them are academic works, mm-hmm. analysing voting results. Yeah. So and, approaching it from a layman's perspective. Okay, but also as a as a very seasoned journalist as well, right? Do you, you think you're what what about your journalistic experience do you think you bring as a fresh kind of perspective to this work? <laughs> I'm reporting about what I reported on. Uh, basically I'm basically giving some insights into the some of the things we do, we did. For example, the way we reported elections in the past, mm-hmm. the way we do it now, which is in a far more comfortable way. So, you know, some um, anecdotes, you know, that are based on my exchanges at, a, at a, on the ground level while I was a reporter. So I, I'm drawing in some experiences like, into mm-hmm. uh, my essays. Any particular experiences in all your years of reporting that have um, shaped how you view Singapore politics? Oh, mm. well, plenty, I think, you know. In fact, I think I opened the book by talking about, I believe, the first general election I covered. I'm, I'm not so sure about that, but mm-hmm. it was about the change boundaries and what the candidates feel about them. And so that was something that, you know, struck me, uh, that boundaries can be wiped out so easily mm-hmm. and whole constituency changed. So, you know, I, I think I referred to that in my first first chapter. Right. Um, my last chapter was about, um, I think it was about polling day in mm. one of the uh, constituencies that was hotly contested. It was UNO's DRC. It was about um, uh, how uh, the Workers' Party narrowly lost mm-hmm. and how their supporters reacted. And since your book's called Fair or Foul, I'm just wondering, um, without giving too much away, do you come down on one side or the other on the issue of um, Singapore's general elections? Oh, I was going to tell you, you should just go and buy the book. Lah. <laughs> of but course, of course. <laughs> I, I mean, basically, uh, I think a lot more can be done to it. Um, mm-hmm. The last chapter is, is, is a set of recommendations mm-hmm. that I hope you know the, the, the young generation of leaders will pick up. And, and do you have, uh, I mean, like, do you have a sense that the younger generation of leaders are listening more to outside advice, even from uh, media practitioners <laughs> or, the popular, or, or the people in general? I have no idea. Um, I, well, whether they do or they don't, I think the main thing is I put, in, put it down. If somehow, mm-hmm. somewhere, someone picks it up you know, and think it's worth acting on, then I will mm-hmm. be very gratified. Moving on to talk a bit about um, the recent election. What do you think the results have mean for Singapore's like, political future? Well, I think, well, basically, I think the results at 60-40 is the new norm. I mean, the mm-hmm. PAP would be hard-pressed to reach, you know, 70%, which she did the last time. Mm-hmm. And even the PAP feels it's an anomaly, mm-hmm. right? So I think we're talking about a middle ground of swing voters who would have to be wooed assiduously, you know. And um, bread and butter issues will still come first. Mm-hmm. But increasingly, I think Singaporeans I'm built with a great sense of fair-mindedness and fair play. Right. So, you know, that's a new sort of new element that has to come into the electoral system. And how do you feel about this 60-40 split? I mean, are you comfortable with that? Or do you, like some people, want to see the parliamentary majority broken? 
Frankly, I think 60-40 is, is a very comfortable uh, mm-hmm. position uh, uh, for me as well, mm-hmm. you know, because you do have the PAP government family in charge, mm-hmm. but not so strong a mandate as to make them so comfortable mm-hmm. that they think that they can do anything they want in parliament. So, you know, I'm quite glad too that there are more uh, opposition members in parliament. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that um, they... I, I I saw, for example, recent debates. You know, the more the opposition politicians these days can debate on more fundamental issues like minimum wage. So it's not just a question of point scoring. Mm-hmm. And um, I was also pleased, like yesterday, on the Workers' Party motion. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it would attack the government, you know, for the way the main uh, party mm-hmm. Liani was treated. Mm-hmm. But I think the debate was on a much higher level, you know, like whether the Attorney General's responsibility should be divided up, mm-hmm. whether we need an ombudsman. So I'm sure this such issues will be raised again, but at least you know the discussion has started. And going forward, do you think um, these kind of high-level debates can be maintained? Or do you see things like um, turning hostile or maybe descending into like name-calling and so on? I think the if, if there's name-calling, I would have to say it's the government which has to restrain itself <laughs> rather okay. than the other way around, okay. you know. Uh, and yeah, and you know, basically give answers that, you know, when questions are asked. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the Workers' Party cannot maintain that level of debate, then well, well, basically they should be voted out lah, next mm-hmm. round. Yeah, because, you know, we don't expect, I think, as a voter, mm-hmm. uh, as voters, um, I don't think the vote, voters expect substantial changes, let's say, in legislation or policy, but they would expect them to raise issues and debate at a much higher level than they used mm-hmm. to. Mm. And any particular new voices in Parliament that stand out to you so far? Mm, well, I only seen yesterday's debate, so you know I mm, wasn't okay. in, in Parliament for the rest. So I have to, it all has to depend on what was reported, mm-hmm. you know, right, right. Uh, in the media. Yeah, so I mean, frankly, I think the Workers' Party MPs, you know, Jameis and and um uh, and Jameis. Okay. <laughs> frankly, I don't see much more than Jameis and Jameis. I know they do, he's doing quite well, mm-hmm. you know, uh, especially on issues where he's probably stronger in, which is economics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do note, however, that uh, I mean, I read the parliamentary order paper, for example, mm-hmm. that um the opposition MPs are still very good at raising questions for answers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I hope they get those answers too. And now just moving on to the many, many years of experience you've had as a journalist. Um, can I just first start with like, how did you get into journalism? What made you want to join the profession? Oh my gosh. I, I think the answer is going to disappoint you. <laughs> um, yeah, because I went to journalism for the money. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you mean it paid well at some point? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, in the 80s, it paid extremely well. Okay. And, uh, you know, basically, it, it, I had three offers, you know, with banks and all, and, you know, uh, and uh, journalism, and I went to the highest bidder. Okay. <laughs> so okay. I'm afraid I don't have a great story to tell about, you know, wanting to change things and all that. It was okay. purely machinery. And it was a good accident that I happened to like it. Oh, right. Okay, because my next question was going to be, what made you stick with it for so long? A lot of people jump out midway. Some people here use it as a, you know, a jumping point to copcoms kind of right. jobs and so on. Yeah, what, what made you stick with it? Um, I think it's the, you know, the tremendous power of the media to be able to, to mold opinions. That would be one. Mm-hmm. And um, I've always liked knowing about things, about people, and about why things are the way they are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Information is power, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, if you can dissect information and come up with conclusions, that that's a very fascinating thing, in, in my opinion, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and over the years, I think I've been able to hone my skills mm-hmm. to be able to write about things, you know, that could be contentious, mm-hmm. but would also be described as constructive, you know. Right. So, uh, over the years, if you keep plugging at it, mm-hmm. you can only get better. Uh, yeah. I don't think you can get worse. <laughs> so you know sometimes people ask me about my yeah. blog pieces and stuff like that and and you know whether I got into trouble like whatever and I I basically said that well no I haven't gone to trouble mm-hmm. and you know and if I do get into trouble I think I should be able to justify why I wrote things the way I did mm-hmm. so you know 
So, so I, I would suggest that if people want to, people should re- if you want to be a journalist, you should remain there for some time because that's the way you can practice. Mm-hmm. Practice your reporting, your writing, your an analytical skills. Right. And like for you, when you were starting out, do you remember any early like eye-opening moments working as a journalist? Like what were the first things that struck you? Like the first moments when you realized that something you wrote might actually have an impact or make a change? Hmm. Actually, my early experience are not very good. Oh, yeah? um, what happened? The one that I remember the most, most uh, was, you know, like repo- reporting on the Marxist conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Huh? Okay. Uh, I was a very young rookie reporter then, mm-hmm. in late 80s. And, you know, basically, there was no reporting. Mm. Uh, we simply ran the internal security department statements on the arrest in full. Um, mm. I can see that it was supposed to prevent accusations of bias in reporting by the government. Mm-hmm. You know, but it really made me feel tremendously useless. Right. Um, but, you know, I stuck on. Mm-hmm. I sometimes I ask myself, you know, whether I would have been too demoralized uh, to carry on, you know. Mm-hmm. But I also ask, I also tell myself that I was very new, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, the other side of the coin is that uh, this is the reason why the media is so powerful. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why we ran ISD statements in full, right, so mm-hmm. that it can't be misinterpreted. Right. So you know, so basically, there are two sides to it, and I decided, well, you know. I will just stick on with it and see how things go. And did it get more encouraging as you went along? Have you seen the journalism scene in Singapore evolve in your time? Oh, yeah. I think uh, over the years, it has evolved. Um, uh, Well, at least... Well, I can't talk for recent years, okay? Uh, Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) So I can only talk. Well, for for uh for the earlier time, maybe towards 2010, 2012, yeah. Mm-hmm. So okay. I think it was a great time because well, uh, um, media houses were rich, right? Mm-hmm. So we could afford to pay for talent. Right. We could afford to invest in new things, new mm-hmm. media, and I think um the government became a lot more open to different views either that or we came more adept okay. <laughs> at putting our views right. you know to be as i said both contentious yet constructive mm-hmm. so uh so and people stayed longer i think uh, in the in the industry so you do have a a thick layer of talent to draw upon so I wouldn't. I don't know about the last ten years. In my mm-hmm. view, I don't think journalism in media is evolving. I think it's devolving. Oh, uh, right. Okay. Yeah. Is it because of a, a lack of talent? Um, I don't know if it's a lack of talent, but it's mm. definitely less competition. Right. Uh, okay. I mean, uh, yeah. So you know, there's less competition uh among the media. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one thing. You know the. The central kitchen concept of packaging news, you know, mm-hmm. for different titles. Frankly right, speaking, right. as a reader, I, yeah, I'm quite frustrated when <laughs> I see the same stories appear in different places. You know, right, right, okay. But what what do you think about all the alternative media sources? Then, I mean, some would say that the part of the liberalization of social, of Singapore media has come along mm-hmm. with like you know all the other alternative media companies, whether or not they are reputable or trustworthy. These things tend to be popular too. So. Do you think that's a mm-hmm. good sign? Like, is that is that the kind of a competition? Is that a sign of competition as well? Uh, not at all. I don't think <laughs> okay. so. Uh, basically, alternative media, okay, there is that other channel. Mm-hmm. But they simply don't have enough money uh, to command the resources to do comprehensive reporting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you look at alternative media, there's a lot more opinion than reporting. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it, it's really not satisfactory because opinion must be based on solid reporting. Mm-hmm. And if solid reporting is scarce, mm-hmm. both online and mainstream, then where are we? Mm-hmm. So, you know, then you have social media adding to this opinion-driven dialogue, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so, so that, that's the problem now. We, we need to, to give opinions based on, on solid work, on solid information, solid research. But, mm-hmm. you know, instead... We are having a lot of noise, mm-hmm. a lot of noise, and I'm I'm not so sure, you know, where that noise, you know, what the noise is based on. You know, are, are you beating the right drum? I don't know. Okay. Right, right. Yeah. 
And frankly, I think the quality of professional journalism has declined. I'm not talking about alternative media because, you know, mm-hmm. I have a very, very different standard for people who are not trained. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the quality of professional journalism has declined. I mean, you see it every day in badly written headlines, mm-hmm. gaps in content, you know, lack of voices, mm-hmm. no attribution. So, so that is, to me, extremely troubling. Because we're talking here about professional standards, no, mm-hmm. not nothing to do with politics or, or you know, or uh, other factors beyond our control. Does this have a lot to do with people not sticking in the profession long enough? I mean, like, do do people even have beats anymore? In that sense, yeah, okay. true. That is one thing, true. But I think also, uh, I I'm not so sure about the way government media relations is right mm. now. Whether they are more um, protective of information. Right. Okay. And therefore, that, that's hard to come by, mm-hmm. and that you know basically you know narrows your reporting scope. So that could be a, one reason mm-hmm. that uh over time the government thinks it's more prudent, you know, to to not be as you know expansive with information that it was before. So it could be that. Do you think that's changed? Like, has it? Is it? Do you feel that? Um, I mean, in the time that you've been around doing journalism, mm-hmm. like, has it become more? Did it become more restrictive at some point? Or? Yes, yes, yes. I think it definitely become more restrictive. Uh, ah, okay. You know, it's definitely become more restrictive, and I think I don't know how it got to this stage when you know, uh, when uh, uh, the journalism as a profession seems to be so. I mean, I, I can acknowledge journalism in Singapore is subordinate. Yeah. Mm-hmm to the, the political choices. But I don't think it should be subservient. Nor right. do I think should it be obsequious, you know? Mm-hmm. So when uh, government newsmakers or agencies think that they can you sort of order you around mm-hmm. and uh, and the journalists take all that, you know, as part of business as usual, I get I get very upset. Extremely upset, okay. you know? Yeah. And from your perspective as someone who has uh, a lot of experience to share, like what can the media do to counter counter this kind of behavior? Is there any way? Well, is there any way we can improve things? Okay. Well, I would say that you know some things that you regard now as the norm is really not the norm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, uh, but I, as you said yourself, uh, I think the lack of experience tells. You know, there's not enough being passed down. Mm-hmm. You know, to tell. I I can tell you that you know when I, journalists ask me whether. We, can we do this? Can we do that? Can we write this? I get very annoyed because I say, <laughs> why Why can't? Why do you think you can't? You know, I mean, right. go ahead and just go do it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, this this, this fear part mm-hmm. is, uh, is to be amazing. And I think one of the things that Bauji said in his book, uh, The Reluctant Editor, is that mm-hmm. don't self-censor. Right. There's a lot okay. of self-censor. Yeah. yeah. And I tell uh, individual individuals who are starting out, I say you go out and you do a good job of reporting. Don't mm-hmm. self-center. Because mm-hmm. no, these sort of decisions are beyond your pay grade, you know? <laughs> okay, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, do the reporting first, you know? So, I, that's why I tell them. And don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I tell them, uh, do you know the mantra is better to say sorry than to ask um, for, for permission? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, I said yeah. maybe that, that uh, you know, don't even think that you know you have to ask for permission. Yeah. Go ahead and do, and then you know, turn around and they say sorry lah. <laughs> that's fine. Look at but, thick skinners also not there. Yeah, I mean, and also I I feel like maybe there should be enough experienced people to guide guide the new people around. Which brings me to your experience now as a teacher. Can you tell us a bit mm-hmm. about what you're doing at NUS and the course you teach? Okay, well, um, I do. Uh, I'm in the uh, communications and new media department, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, basically, it does a lot more than journalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, although I'm more on the sort of journalism track kind of uh, studies. So I mm-hmm. teach media ethics. Uh, I ran a sort of reporting team during the last GE mm-hmm. uh, called Class Notes. Mm-hmm. Which is a portal uh, for for research and reporting. I thought it was quite good. I mean, mm-hmm. this one is sorry, own self praise, own self. Okay, but um, <laughs> no worries. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and a lot of them are credited in my book, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yes, so, uh, uh, yeah. So that's 
something I do. Uh, uh, I teach about OB markers as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, very hard to teach in seminar series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I teach those reporting and writing. And actually next semester, I'm starting a new module called Writing Columns and Commentaries. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, but what, what do you think is the key to writing columns and commentaries? Because I see a lot of these alternative media sites <laughs> coming out and a lot of new <laughs> inexperienced writers feel that news is all about me writing my opinion on what's going on. Uh, yeah, that's so. why I have title commentaries and columns. <laughs> okay. I intend to make a distinction. You know, if you want to write a personal column, like you know how I wish my hair was straighter or something, you mm-hmm. know, you can write a personal column. Yeah, okay. And you know, if people are interested in the way you do your hair, lucky you lah. Huh? <laughs> okay. But, uh, yeah, so I I'm making that distinction. Uh, although seriously, columns are actually commentaries lah. Huh? Mm-hmm. where you have a space. Game. But people in Singapore, I think here we need to make a greater distinction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, when you have commentaries, I want to make them think about how it's not just a question of having an opinion, but mm-hmm. what is your opinion based upon? Right. Yeah. So that means what it goes back to reporting and research, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, I, and that is one point I really, really want to put across mm-hmm. that uh, I'm not so much interested in what you think. You know, I'm not really interested in what you feel, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm interested in how you got to this, you know, point. Mm-hmm. Why is it you're feeling this way? Or what? And why did you come to this conclusion? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, basically, you're not a celebrity that I have, you know, need to know your every, you know, right, right. <laughs> every talk, you know. Okay. So, so you need that, that extra heft mm-hmm. uh, to be able to convince people that you're worth reading. Mm-hmm. Mm. And when so it's it, back to this reporting, reporting, reporting. <laughs> and when it comes to teaching reporting, um, what are some of the most important lessons that you impart upon your students? I tell you, accuracy is a big deal, I and mean, mm-hmm. it sounds so easy, right? I mean, it just mm-hmm. sounds so easy get to be accurate, but it's very difficult, you know. And uh, it comes around when you know you sort of assume things, assume the way that, you know, people spell their names, mm-hmm. you know, assume that they said this sort of things. No, mm-hmm. th- that's when uh, accuracy, you know, gets shot to bits. Huh? Um, so that's something that I really have to knock into people. Right. I mean, for, in fact, I always threaten to, you know, fail you, you know, if you, <laughs> you know, have one error. Mm-hmm. But then if I did that, I'd be failing everybody. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, I- you know, so, Cannot suspend yeah, people or dock their pay anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, so that's one thing that really has to go down. And the other thing is, you must tell me who told you. Mm. It's attribution mm-hmm. and verification. So, frankly, if you strip down journalism, it's not that glamorous at all, right? I mean, mm-hmm. basically, it's about verification, right? Mm-hmm. Verify, 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 right? Attribute, accurate, you know? Mm-hmm. Those are not exactly very glamorous things, but that is the basis of journalism. I know you must tell me where you got this from, mm-hmm. who you spoke to. I mean, there's no reason for me to believe you simply because you mm-hmm. say so, right? So it's it's that you know. It's, so it's very basic level, um, what I call ethical ethical principle type of level that mm-hmm. it has to be ingrained in journalists first, so that they know that this is right or wrong. So the, the right or wrong of journalism is something that, you know, can be built uh, as a foundation, a strong foundation, mm-hmm. so that you know immediately that, you know, this is wrong mm-hmm. and this is right. So sometimes when I put up my hashtag, I don't know whether mm-hmm. you see them on my Facebook called Butter Blows Up. <laughs> yes. I'm trying, okay. to point, <laughs> I'm trying to point these sort of things out, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, you must do this. You must, it's very basic. You have to do this. Or, you know, if your headlines can, have, can be read a different way, no, you, you know, you must mm-hmm. make it specific, that kind of thing. So it's very, it's quite foundational in my view. And I know you have this um, emphasis on accuracy, but do you think it's especially hard for journalists, especially the younger ones these days, to be able to sift out the truth from a flood of information that's coming in, especially when you're also relying on social media as a source for information? That's the part where I don't understand, you know, why are you relying on social media to tell you about different parts of the world? I mean, you know, uh, if there was no social media, what do you do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, well, I think there are many, many different facts out there, mm-hmm. half-truths, 
half, you know, half lies or whatever you can call them too, or mm-hmm. post truths or whatever, you know, I, how to see them, see them is basically to make sure that what you get are facts. Mm-hmm. You know, you must get people to say, I heard this, you know, I know this, and this is me. I mm-hmm. am who I, you know, so basically it comes back to these two points on verification and attribution. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone cannot verify what you've said, why should you treat it as a truth? Mm-hmm. Or if someone is, doesn't want to account for what he's, he's, he's saying, why do you want to treat it as true? So, you know, so sometimes it's not a question of, uh, yes, there is, there's plenty, extensive amount of information, mm-hmm. but it's also how hard the journalists want to work, mm-hmm. you know, to, to basically come back here to the old principles of verification and attribution. So it's harder now because there's more, mm-hmm. right? More information. But in, it was, you can say it's not as hard, when uh, the, the scope of information is less. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the scope of information being less in the past, you know, also is it doesn't make it easier, uh, you know, and uh, it basically, it's actually harder because, you know, if information is withheld, mm-hmm. then there are fewer sources to go to. Now you have a lot of sources to go to. So it's a balance, but both come back to the same principle. Mm-hmm. Can you verify them? Can you attribute them? And, you know, are you accurate about it? So in your in your class, if someone cited um Facebook comments in response to a let's say a ministerial uh, statement and all that, would that would that be qualified as a like a valid opinion or, or comment? Are you kidding? I mean, you know, <laughs> if they ever refer to unknown entities, right? Yeah. And uh, and then start putting them out, they'll be totally chewed out by me. I I mean, I always tell them mm-hmm. I don't like the way the media is, you know, filching. Uh, Mm-hmm. from social media mm-hmm. and you no know, forming stories based on and what some people say mm-hmm. and i said this is really lazy you mm-hmm. have to really get back first of all to find out whether that person who said all these things on facebook is a real person mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. i mean that's so basic right i mean first of all you got to verify it's a real person mm-hmm. so in fact i have, i have basically um I was thinking and i've said it aloud many times that i think one day i will just know write something outrageous on Facebook. <laughs> okay. See which year picks it up, mm-hmm. right? Uh, without, of course, asking me or anything or doing any follow-up. Mm-hmm. And I will just write back to say, I'm sorry, that wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> and then what happens, and, right? Yeah. Oh, what happens? Because you see, how can you say, it must be you, it must be you. So I'm like, no, it wasn't me. And mm-hmm. you never asked me. You know, if you ask me, then what would happen then? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay, but like, and speaking of your students, right? Um, how do they view yeah. the news industry these days? Like, you say you teach a course on OB Marcus. Do do this, your students come in being very aware of these things? Well, frankly speaking, I think sometimes they overdo it. I mean, mm. they draw the OB Marcus so tight. Okay, you know, All right. That I'm surprised. You yeah. know, I I always tell them, you know, you're you no know, one generation uh, below me. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you should be full of idealism and, you know, you want to, you know, push the boundaries. But here you are mm-hmm. being even more conservative than I am, <laughs> okay. you know? So, yeah. So I have to loosen them up a bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is one of the things I said earlier about being scared, you know? So sometimes they have these, uh, I don't know, illusions or delusions, mm-hmm. right? That uh, everything is cannot do, you know? Mm-hmm. And I have to tell them, no, it's not the case. Uh, as for the news industry, well, Frankly speaking, I think people will agree with me that it's a shrinking industry, mm-hmm. like, uh? yeah. especially for employed, you know, professional journalists. Yeah. Right. right. Um, yeah, I worry for it actually. Mm-hmm. I really worry for it. Because then if journalism becomes ad hoc or amateurish, mm-hmm. then what does this do, you know, for society? Mm-hmm. What does it do when there's nobody who can make sense of things, who can give you, you know, Something that is, I mean, that is a core thing, you know, give you the analysis and, you know, set, set you on some paths. Or, or you will just have all these amateurs who come in and, you know, load opinion upon opinion upon facts. Then what does this do for us as a society? Mm-hmm. I, I'm very worried about it. And is this on a, like a global kind of level or a local kind of level or both? Both, both, okay. both. I think both. Yeah. 
So, you know, it's something, I think here in Singapore, it's actually particularly critical, you know, mm-hmm. because we don't have many media outlets in the right. first place. Yeah. You know, and whatever was a duopoly or is the duopoly now, in the past, it didn't seem like a duopoly because mm-hmm. every title was trying to be different. Right. So if you don't have many choices mm-hmm. when it comes to news consumption, mm-hmm. then how? You know, you, you'll be thinking in a box, huh? What I see sometimes is that news outlets around the world sometimes are now being forced to take a side in, in, on issues yeah. when, back when they used to be neutral. Right. Do you think this is a yes. yeah, big problem? Well, worldwide, um, well, I guess part of it also has to do with, the, with commercial reasons. Lah, mm-hmm. right? You want to build a niche, uh, whatever community, and your niche community happens to be bigger than the other fellow's niche community. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right. therefore... And you want to hold your readers, right? You want to hold your readers, so you try to be as like your readers as possible. So it's sort of self-sustaining in that sense. Um, well, yeah. So you know, these days you want to be a general newspaper, you or general media is too hard already. Mm-hmm. It's way too hard. Uh, people have now very very diverse interests. It's very hard to bring them together into mm-hmm. one. Yeah. So you have to cater to niches. Mm-hmm. And that does mean sometimes that you have to, you know, put out a position that you think reflects your readers. Mm-hmm. So it's it's uh it's troublesome. It's very troublesome. Uh, and uh, but if you know, if the reader knows that this is what's happening, that's mm-hmm. not bad. Mm-hmm. So I know that I'm reading this. I'm reading something that is on the left, you know, mm-hmm. right. and I'm reading something I know this on the right or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then basically, if I want to, I can make up my mind. Mm-hmm. The problem is, there's just too much to read. <laughs> right, yes. I barely have time anymore. Exactly, yeah. you know. So how do you want to get at the truth, you know? Mm-hmm. When there's a truth on the left and a truth on the right, then you have to come to your own truth. It's very, very, uh, it's very, very you know, time-consuming mm-hmm. and energy-consuming. So that's the problem. I no like now these days even right mm-hmm. when I read the local papers or I read local media, mm-hmm. I also try and read this what CNA says. I also try and see what you guys on Yahoo say. Mm-hmm. You know because you know some some of you will cover this part but not that part. Some cover mm-hmm. the other part not this. You know so basically I to get a whole gist and I, sometimes I see your anglings are different to get mm-hmm. the whole gist. I read everything. Right. But I am not a normal reader. Yes. That's okay. the problem. <laughs> <laughs> do, a do, professional reader. And do you think the news audience in Singapore has changed over time as well? I mean, is it the case that um people don't value the news as much these days? Well, I think it's become almost like a mantra mm-hmm. to basically, you know, pour cold water over mainstream media. And that is quite sad. Mm. Some of them seem to think like it's a badge of honor to say that you don't read, you know, okay, local yeah. media. Yeah, and that is t- totally bad. And sometimes I think, you know, when they say things, it's more out of, you know, in line of like a popular viewpoint, you know, rather than based on anything. Like people say, oh, of course, what would you expect? And then I said, have you read it? No. <laughs> then, okay. Why are you saying it? Say, I know so. I know so. You know, it's like writing opinions. Mm. I know the right, same, right. you know. Uh, so, you know, I say, if you haven't read it, then don't say so. You mm. know, if you're going by gut feel, well, mm. you know, that's, that's your gut feel. You know, don't impose it on everybody else. And don't, and don't for crying out loud, don't be so proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> proud, of, proud. Don't be proud of being uninformed. Yes. You know, of course I can't. I don't say it like that. Unless I get totally angry. But if you are so uninformed and you're giving me the point of view, then mm-hmm. hello. Uh, but then, you know, I do most of my things on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So I do allow a lot of ventilation. Uh, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it's no problem with me. You know, you, you want to ventilate, whatever. Mm-hmm. Also, it sort of gives me a sense, you know, as a journalist, mm-hmm. uh, uh, a sense of people's... Um, the pals, you know, mm-hmm. it may not be for everybody, but, you know, sort of know how different people think mm-hmm. and, uh, and and that informs my my writing too. And do you have a thick enough skin to withstand all the comments you receive online? My dear, I, I have tahan comments for years, <laughs> you know. I, I don't, I mean, basically, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, you know, I do not block people. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
unless 200 people agree with me that they should be blocked. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because I, and I think I have managed to inculcate uh, some discipline mm-hmm. uh, in the people who write uh, on, on, on my blog or on my Facebook. Some discipline because they know outset the rules of engagement. Mm-hmm. So, so frankly, even if I don't police, other people will police them for me. Mm-hmm. That's the wonderful yeah. thing. Yeah. So true. they will police for me. Yeah. So, uh, in fact, you know, I'm known as she who wields the axe. <laughs> and, uh, and quite a lot of them have, you know, when they pre-ordered my book, has, mm-hmm. have asked me to sign off that way. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. As she who wields the axe. So, okay, fine. I will say she who wields the axe. Yeah. That should be so the, the title of your next website. Ah! Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So so basically, uh, I don't I don't really I mean I've been called all sorts of names that, mm-hmm. and frankly, after so many years, some of it I just ignore. Mm-hmm. I always take the view that if I don't know you and you don't know me mm-hmm. and you say horrible things about me, why should I bloody care? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that, yeah. that, that that's the key yeah. to resolving most internet debates. Exactly. Yes, yes. So, you know, I, so I tell, for example, my students, when we first put up class notes and it mm-hmm. got out, right, to mm-hmm. public eye, right? And of course, you will get bringbacks, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and for them, it's probably their you know, first experience of such things because, you know, usually right. it's only your friend who are on social media, mm-hmm. right? So I, I tell them, don't worry about it. You know, I mean, never mind. You know, this is not the end of the world if somebody says so lousy. You know, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> So I think in that sense, getting bashed around mm-hmm. on the internet is quite good for you. Mm-hmm. It's quite good for some a spine in your in your body, you know, for journalists. So I'm quite with you. Mm. And in terms of the um the political and social commentaries that you make over Facebook or other platforms, what are the issues that drive you to speak up these days? Oh, transparency. Mm. Basically, okay. I will put that to number one, you know, because uh, I mean, I like to be able to piece things together, you know, mm-hmm. and and see that, you know, it flows and there's a reason and all that, you know. But and I get very, I get pretty upset when info is lacking mm-hmm. uh, for some reason, you know, maybe because the media didn't ask or newsmakers won't tell, mm-hmm. you know. And I dislike the view that citizens should be protected from too much info. I think it's condescending. Mm-hmm. So when I see that some things are not reported or, you know, some things have been withheld or what for whatever reason or some things don't make sense, I do speak out. Mm-hmm. I speak out very, very loudly because, you know, I want to be informed. Mm-hmm. I mean, if somebody else doesn't want to be informed, it's their business. <laughs> well, I think as a citizen, I do want to be informed. And that's one of the reasons I wrote the book. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the elections have become something that we just do every four or five years, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, you know, get into a TZ for nine days and then it's over, mm-hmm. you know. Whereas, you know, that nine days, first of all, we should ask ourselves whether it's too short. Right. And secondly, how you make that vote, actually, can you actually make a decision so quickly, so easily, or mm-hmm. is it going to be a happy thing? I think increasingly, the citizen's job or, or role is actually more complex, you know. They, they should really take a lot of things into account. I mean, you, you listen to the presidential election. Mm-hmm. Like many issues that are raised, you know. So you know, some Americans do take it into account, mm-hmm. you know, and see your point of view on, you know, on uh, climate change, for example. Mm-hmm. Your point of view on, you know, uh, well, in the US, like abortion or uh, race, you know. Mm-hmm. So these sort of things they matter, and we we need to know how to view these things and whether our electoral processes are helping us with this or not. Mm-hmm. And yeah, think- so transparency is the one, yeah. Okay. Uh, anything else like that you're hot about, like the social issues now? I mean, a lot of stuff about debates on class issues are emerging in Singapore too. Yeah, actually, one thing I'm worried about is that, is this degree of wokeness, no? Mm, <laughs> you know, okay. young people yeah. are, more, are more woke, right, mm-hmm. they say. Mm-hmm. And uh, I worry about it because I worry that this is more about being popular. Mm. You know, like jumping on the most fashionable bandwagon at right. that point in time, yeah. rather than based on analysis and context. I mean, I mean, slogans are very easy to spout. Mm, huh? Of course, they're very easy to spout. You know, so 
So maybe like say you want to see more equality among the races, mm-hmm. nice slogan, right? Mm-hmm. But then you must also be clear about where the inequalities lie mm-hmm. and what exactly you're referring to, you see? So all that is more, more difficult to do than spouting mm-hmm. a slogan. But, you know, being woke, you know, can't just mean that. Lah. It must mean that you, you also know the facts mm-hmm. and not just be part of a trend, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that, you know, is, is, is a trend of the day, you know. So that's my worry. The people must understand. I mean, I give you an example. Mm-hmm. I wrote about the Tembusu uh, 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 students, uh, the, mm-hmm. that, that, uh, that case which happened recently. Mm-hmm. And I was accused of victim blaming. Mm. And for the life of me, I have no idea what the person meant. Okay. You know, as far as I can see, you know, I was trying to dissect the news as clinically as possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, it cannot be that we've reached a stage where we believe everything a person says, mm. you know, and not try to say that there must be some way, you know, to verify or whatever, mm-hmm. or, you know, what the person said. Is that victim blaming? I, I'm not so sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but you see, this is, this is part of, I suppose, the woke culture where um, the first thing, you, you know, this is one of the things I worry about, huh? mm-hmm that you do not actually resort to using common sense anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I guess there are two sides to the woke thing. One being, the, the I guess the negative side would be the whole feelings over facts kind right. of thing sometimes, which, I mean, okay. but on the positive side, do you think that it's also getting mm. more people to engage in what were once taboo kind of subjects? Mm, okay. It's driving people yeah, to speak I up agree. more? Yeah. Yes, yes, I think so. But I think this, you while it is part of getting people to speak up more mm-hmm. if you know what they're saying. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, no, it's, it's what I said about, you know, having, you know, a lot of smoke. Mm. Uh. Yeah. But, you know, so basically, all this puffing and puffing still got to be based on something. Mm-hmm. Okay, the fact that people are interested, I mean, if you just want to view it at that level, that mm-hmm. abstract level that people are getting interested in taboo topics, mm-hmm. you know, fine. You know, uh, I, you know, I just hope that they're not interested because it's taboo. Mm-hmm. Because you know, there are other subjects which are not as sexy where we can also discuss, but mm-hmm. which are probably more important. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, like you know, I I wonder why young people aren't interested in medical life. <laughs> yeah, I know yeah. they will they tell me that they haven't started working and all that. I say yeah, but mm-hmm. you're gonna get out to work, and you know, you want to know how much premium I'm gonna take out of you or not. Uh. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so but it's just not not sexy lah. Yeah. Whereas, you know, uh sexual misconduct, gender equality, race, mm-hmm. religion, discrimination, mm-hmm. uh uh something that they feel closer to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and for I, you- I suppose you can see that I'm not very I'm not very woke lah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean it's always good to just maintain the rational middle ground. I mean that's where that's where journalism is supposed to be, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah. And um just for your own personal social and political views, have have you have any any of them changed over time? Because everybody these these days seems so set in their views, but at the same time, where, where's the room for people to change their mind over things or have their minds changed? Like are there any examples of your views that might have changed or evolved? Oh well, frankly I don't have uh I don't have uh I mean, I don't have this resistance to saying sorry, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. That I think is something that a lot of commentators should have, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, I find it, I it's very easy for me to say sorry. Sorry, I'm wrong. Sorry, I probably didn't think about this. Mm-hmm. You know, I should have thought about that and all that. So, I don't have a problem saying sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, I think a lot of commentators tend to be very self-righteous. Mm-hmm. That, and, uh, and that, I think, is part of the getting stuck in a groove. Yeah, that you are talking about. So, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I I view everything on its merits or demerits. Mm-hmm. So people always ask me, are you pro-establishment, anti-establishment, or whatever? Mm-hmm. And I say, you read me and you tell me that. So one day you can call me pro-PAP. The next day you can call me pro-op. The next day you can call me pro-PAP or pro-op. You know, mm-hmm. it all depends actually on yeah. the last thing you read. No. So, so in my view, I'm in a very happy position. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if I can't get boxed up, mm-hmm. I think that's good, you know? So you so basically you analyze 
based on what you see and not based on any kind of you know ideological loyalty mm. or you know yeah only sense of you know fear or favor yeah. so in that sense i'm i'm lucky i mean i when i write and all that and usually i mean i don't i don't advertise i don't get sponsors i, I mean mm-hmm. i don't get paid lah mm-hmm. huh? for for <laughs> this kind of thing mm-hmm. so that actually makes it very easy for me to to take a very independent mm-hmm. approach so in that sense are you saying that like um having an ideology or too rigid an ideology is just bad for practice as a journalist or for news report for the news industry as well i think uh i think we talk about political ideology yes i think it's too rigid mm-hmm. but i think there must be some principle mm. yeah right. uh so you know what kind of principles do, should journalists have for example so you know as journalists there must be some principles i for example i can tell you this I, one of my principles would be I would not lie to my reader. Mm. Huh? Uh, but I can lie to you lah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Or, or lie to someone else or whatever. But Hopefully not know, during this interview. I'm, oh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> I will not lie to the, the, the listener as well. No, if it's going out, mm-hmm. you know, to more people, mm-hmm. right? I think there's this great obligation on your part to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you don't know the truth, you should you better say so too, mm-hmm. and say that look, I don't know, or I'm not sure. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that's one one principle I will hold on to. And I get very angry when newsmakers lie to me, mm-hmm. and then I lie on their behalf, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> to everybody else because I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then I find out it's a lie, you know. Mm-hmm. I have a few times I put them on the spot in public. <laughs> okay. Well, really, yeah, to yeah. say that you know. They said this the last time. No, this time they say this, and then they tell me, "Please don't say last time." I say, "Sorry, man," because mm-hmm. you see, it's not your credibility at stake. It's also mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say that you change your position, mm-hmm. and you will have to tell me why. So I I don't don't like this. So that's one principle that I die die will 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 hold on to mm-hmm. uh, that I don't lie to don't lie to readers. Okay. And just uh, one or two questions on the pandemic. I don't like to go on too much these days about it. Okay, um, sure. Yeah, right. um, just for one, it's like with the, all these new regulations in place and so on, do you think it's had a kind of stifling effect on news reporting or how the media operates in Singapore? Yeah, yeah. I think it, in the first place, it does make interviewing difficult. Mm-hmm. But then again, most people I see now do their interviews via email. So, <laughs> yeah. you know... Uh, so you know, so maybe it's good for them, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think the the cutting off of uh of social interaction and you know, is not good for journalism, mm-hmm. lah. I mean, you know, do you re- do you think you can really go and do a hundred people survey during mm-hmm. this COVID time? Mm-hmm. You know, so so in that sense, you it's being blunt, lah. Mm-hmm. Huh? Being the, the 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 edge has been blunted. Mm-hmm. So for example then you will fall back to using the same people what you think about, you know, who, to give you comments mm-hmm. and all that. And that it's just lazy lah. So it's it's not good for journalism at all. And do you think there are any major gaps in on-the-ground reporting right now? Well, basically, the gaps, you know, is not just a result of, you know, media, right, uh, the regulations on the media or because of COVID. I think there are some gaps which have been there for some time. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. one of the things that you know annoys me is I don't get a sense of how people are living in Singapore. Mm-hmm. I don't get a sense of what's happening, say mm-hmm. in you know the heartlands mm-hmm. where you know what eighty percent of us live. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I I don't know what's happening in our hawker centers. Mm-hmm. Although we love food, mm-hmm. all we do is simply review them. You know, we mm-hmm. don't we don't write about okay. food, just review food. You no, know? so and we are great shoppers. You know, although maybe not now. Mm-hmm. Uh, consumer stories. Heartland stories, it, um, so so they're they're not there. And for these sort of stories, you need resources. Mm. Uh, you need to you need to send people out to talk to mm-hmm. people. So it's not something that I can just email you and you tell me. Oh, you know, it's it's not like that. First of all, you need to spot the story. Mm-hmm. Then you need to develop the story, right? Mm-hmm. So so I that's the gap I see missing. It's basically right. very grassroots, low level. Heartland happenings. Instead, mm-hmm. what I see are government statements mm-hmm. and announcements. So, you know, I don't think I want to read government statements and announcements in the media. I can go and read them on the government <laughs> website. Right. 
So it's the voice of the everyman, I guess. That's that's kind of yes, missing. Correct. Yeah. Yes, I think it's the media who, who 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 the media which wants to serve citizens must realize that the citizen must be able to see himself or herself mm. in the media. Right, that's a very good point. Yeah, and just the last one in the pandemic. Um, this is the one I asked most of the guests. Um, do you see any silver linings to it? I mean, it's been terrible for the economy, terrible for public health. But do you think there are yeah. learning points from it? Yeah. My honest feeling is that Singapore has missed a very very big chance to use the pandemic to look at several fundamental issues or sacred cows that now, you know, are upon us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think we should have used it to look at things like whether we need to make some changes to labor policy, whether we should, you know, have uh, the idea of safety nets, you know, whether we need to change some things. This is the time where we can. It's what you call downtime, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we tell companies that you should use this downtime to train and retrain, you know, okay, yeah, but I think the other thing is we should also use this downtime to think through lah, whether mm-hmm. how we should position ourselves for the future, mm-hmm. you know? So we have this future economy council lah, and all these other councils, but can we get something going, <laughs> you know, about like, for example, our dependence on foreign workers mm-hmm. or how much, how how capital is, you know, is taking off taking away more than than you know labor mm-hmm. in terms of gdp you know so the returns you know so this was i think i thought it was a good moment you know where we we can think about these sort of things while everything is still slowing down we haven't activated but mm-hmm. then no uh, it seems to me that you know it's going to be business as usual so it's business as usual i you know rather than any great changes in fact the whole ge was not about change Mm. It was about continuity, mm. you know, which I thought to myself, uh, especially with a new 4G in charge, mm-hmm. are, we, are we talking about continuity, you know? So so that's what I, I thought. I thought we are losing that chance. Is there anything positive, you see? Positive from COVID. Uh. <laughs> well, for me, I learned to use technology better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so basically, you know, uh, yeah, I think that to me was the best thing, lah. Uh. So before we go, um, would you like to let listeners know where they can get a copy of your book? Oh, okay. You can go to Epigram, uh, the website by the publisher, and you can order them. It'll be delivered to you. I think it's available also on, in bookshops. Uh, I know Kinokunea has them already. I don't know about the other bookshops yet, but I can tell you it's there, you know. So yeah, so do order. I mean, it's, uh, I think, 200 over pages. But, you know, I don't write <laughs> like a dense you know, heavy, you know, in mm-hmm. manner, in that kind of way. So it's not too difficult to read. If there's one thing you would like readers to take away from the book, what do you think that would be? Chapter 15. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Straight to the point. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Bertha. This has been a great conversation. Thank you. No problem. Now I've got to go and see my student. And that's it for our interview with Bertha Hansen. Did you like it? Did you find out anything new? I hope so. In case you didn't already know, this show is brought to you by Yahoo Singapore. And you can also find us on Acast, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We've got many more great interviews coming up, so do stay tuned. Once again, I'm Danny Osman and I hope everyone listening has a great weekend.